welcome to Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. Our goal is to inspire you to think more deeply and act with more knowledge and compassion. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Today, I am chatting with Brianna White, the vision, creator, CEO, stylist, all the things of Vostramoda, a personal fashion styling service. Uh, Bri is on a mission to help you level up your wardrobe and find your confidence and power. Super excited to chat with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting. Yay. Me too. So we had um, just a little background for everybody listening. We met through our business networking group and had a conversation, personal conversation. And I'm like, oh, yes, you need to share your story. Well, I think I asked you if you'd be okay with sharing your story first. Did I ask you? Yeah. Okay, good. I don't want to volunteer. You did ask, and I was like, you know what? That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Sometimes I'm like, let's just do it. And then I just run people over. So I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so I like to start off the show, like all the episodes, I like to start off by getting um, some personal background on you, just so everybody can get to know you as a person a little bit better and a feel from for like where your perspectives come from. Um, so where did you, what's your cultural background? Where did you grow up? Yeah. So I was born in New York. I was born on Long Island. Um, all of my extended family still lives on Long Island, but when I was very young, I think I was just turning two. my dad is in the, well, he was in the air force. He's not anymore. But, uh, when he was in the air force, he was going to be stationed in Saudi Arabia. And because my mom was still a pretty young mom and had my older brother and I, and I think my older brother was maybe five at that point. Um, she was like, I don't want to try to raise two kids by myself for however long you have to be stationed overseas. So she decided to go with him. And so our entire family moved over to Saudi Arabia when I was two years old. And I believe I lived there for four, four years, maybe. Um, hard for me to remember, but like my childhood memories are from living over there on a military base. And my dad ended up staying an additional year after uh, just to wrap some things up before he came back to the States with us. But what I love about the experience of having grown up in that sort of community and being on this military base, it provided me with a chance to meet so many different people from different backgrounds. Like, I think we chatted about this when we were talking a while ago, but my next door neighbor, uh, he was from Georgia. And his wife was from Japan and they met while well, he had been stationed in Japan. And so they had four kids together and their kids definitely looked like mom, but they had dad's Southern accent. And so it's just always so interesting to see these cultures that are coming together and the beauty of everyone coming from a different place. So I grew up with this wonderful sense of diversity and normalcy about that because on this military compound, yes, it was this very small space of people. But that community in itself was so diverse and people from different ethnicities, from different religion backgrounds. Um, not that there was a lot of talking about the different religions because they're very strict in Saudi about what religions can be practiced. And um, that's definitely something that affected my family because my parents were both Christian. And ironically, my mom says that, you know, she was saved while she was over in Saudi. She met people and she converted to Christianity while she was living overseas in a place where that's actually like a death penalty if you were found out to be a Christian over there. So crazy story on her end. So I came from a religious background for my own story. 
um, but very loving community of people that I was around. And I loved that. And when we came back to the States, I want to say I was in like first grade and we were in New York for just a few months before we moved to New Hampshire. And even while I was in that school, um, I remember being like, there's not that many kids from different cultures here. They all look like me. Everyone is white, which is fine. But also it was such a shock for me as a kid when I had been used to seeing people from all over the world in one school together. And then coming to a place where you just expect that and then everyone looks exactly like you is a little bit jarring. And if you're a kid and you're thinking that's jarring, imagine what it's like for people when they get older and they're coming to a place like this. And then it's like, wow, everyone looks like vanilla ice cream around here. Um, which is, you know, even more so when we moved to New Hampshire, like even in New York, there was a little bit more diversity, but just the area I was in was a smaller town. So not a ton. And then definitely in New Hampshire, I saw a lot less diversity in the schools that I was in, which was surprising and, um, a little bit sad because you didn't have all the unique backgrounds and stories of where everyone's from and the opportunity to learn about everyone's culture and what was so unique about them. So that was a little bit of my background when it came to how I was raised. And another big part of my background of being raised was uh, I was raised as a Christian. Like I said before, that was my family's upbringing. And for me, that was not the path that I personally wanted to take, but it was such a big part of my family's life that I definitely had some challenges being the people-pleasing behavior that I was. Uh, and perfectionist as a kid and just wanted to make sure I made everyone happy and, you know, stereotype that personality type of don't want to do anything wrong, make sure the parents are always happy, put everyone else's needs before your own. And that was a lot of my childhood to preteen to teen years. And I was homeschooled for a majority of those years too. So it was just even bigger of a need to make sure I was pleasing my parents because I was seeing them every single day. And I had very little interaction with other kids my age. So it made it a challenge to connect to those other kids and feel like a kid myself sometimes. And my parents always said, you were so mature as a child. And it's like, sometimes it's not that it's maturity. It's that this is the only way I knew how to interact. This is what I saw around me. I didn't really have too many opportunities to really just play with kids. Um, And again, the people-pleasing behavior of wanting to make sure that the parents around me thought that I was good and that I was doing the right thing was more important than having fun sometimes. So that in itself is a little bit crazy. But a big thing that I want to talk about, because it's part of my business model and part of who I am, is uh, I identify as lesbian. And so when I started realizing that I had feelings for women and coming from a background where that was not something that was approved of or really talked about ever. Um, it was challenging because it wasn't something that I saw in my own life. It was like the occasional, maybe you'd see it in passing in a movie, but not really. I mean, the early 2000s, it still wasn't super common. You had shows like Will and Grace that were just starting to come up and be popular. But I can distinctly remember my dad changing the channel and making a comment when something like that would be on. Or Uh, I think there was a commercial for the movie I Love You Man with Paul Rudd. And literally, like, it's just like bromance where he's just trying to find a best friend. And 
in the commercial, I think uh, one of the guys goes to kiss another guy. And I remember distinctly that my dad made a comment about it and how he couldn't believe this was on TV during daytime when his kids could see it. And so that stuck with me. When he said that, did at that point, did you already know? Like, do you, do you remember at what age or whenabouts it was that you knew that you were attracted to females and not males? I think it was probably in high school that I started really figuring it out because I spent most of my preteen years for like just living in a fantasy world. Like I loved fantasy novels. And so I spent most of my time just thinking like, I'm going to be a female knight when I grow up, I'm going to save the world. Like that should have been a little bit of an indicator as well. Like just where I wanted my trajectory to go. As much as I love playing dress up, I was like, I want to rescue people. I want to save people. I want to be in control of situations. Um, but yeah, I think it was around high school because that was when I really noticed distancing myself when I started connecting with people. And like I said, I was homeschooled most of my life until high school. And I went to a very small private Christian school for high school. And the the hard part about that was it was such a small school and it was K through 12. But most of those kids had been in school together since kindergarten. So they were so close and so tight knit. Having somebody come in for high school, it just felt like trying to break through this clique that had existed for 10 years, which is basically what it was. Um, so it was right around that time that as I was trying to figure out who I was as a person, how do I socialize with people after spending so many years not socializing with people my age? Um, and then on top of it, you've got teenage hormones and wait, I'm in a religious school where everything that I'm being taught is against how I feel as a person. And I can't tell anybody how I'm feeling because I will ostracize myself. And I remember there was one girl in high school and she was only there for a couple of months before she transferred. And she openly told people that she was bisexual and that she was in a relationship with two people. She had a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And I remember how quickly she was just dropped and talked about behind her back even in front of her, like people didn't even just go behind her back. They would openly talk about her in front of her. And it was awful. And I have to admit, I, not that I talked about her behind her back, but I remember there was like a field trip where we were all going to go on a camping trip, which camping is not my thing to begin with, but they were trying to pair people up to go in tents and nobody wanted to be in a tent with her. And they were like, you know, I ended up getting paired with her and all of the girls kept on coming up to me being like, better watch out. You're going to get hit on. You're going to get, you know, someone's going to molest you in the middle of the night. And it's like, what a horrific thing to say about someone. And I remember just not saying anything because I didn't want to draw attention to myself one way or the other. And I was like, I'll just see if I can get a different tent. Like I'd rather be by myself anyways. And I don't like sharing tents with people, but you know, it just, it made it this horrific experience if I had to share a tent with somebody who identified that way. So I didn't come out really publicly until I was in college. But throughout high school is when I started realizing this is how I actually felt. But seeing those things in my own life, people that I knew what I was hearing every day and how this was a bad thing. This was disgusting. This was not something that you wanted to be or be associated with. You were a terrible person if you were this way. And it's just, it's not, it's not, you are not, you are a person. You are not a terrible person. There are other qualities that make people terrible, but being gay certainly isn't one of them. No, not at, not at all. Of course, we, we don't disagree on this at all. And it, it still baffles me. And I, and I feel like we're moving out of this phase or this idea, but you said like, 
they're warning you, oh, be careful. Like you're going to get head on or you're going to get like accosted. Really? Really? Like where does that idea come from that just because you have a different attraction or different preference that you're somehow out of control? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, It's so wild to me. When now, two things. One, and this, I don't want to go off the rails from your story, but I'm just curious. You said you identify as a lesbian. Is there a, mm-hmm. is there a reason why you use that identify as term as opposed to just saying I'm a lesbian? I say that because I started dating my wife, now wife, when I was in college. And she is the only person I've ever dated. And because of that, I've had people who have asked me, have you ever been attracted to a man? Have you ever dated a man? Have you ever had that experience? And for me, it's not that I don't find men attractive. I think that men can be attractive. I think that there is emotional supports from certain men that are going to complement people's relationships. Um, I just know for me, like, if I could be attracted to my wife and be like, that is my sexuality is my wife. <laughs> That's how I think I would identify because I haven't had the experience of being with anybody else. And I've definitely like watching movies and and reading books and stuff like that. I've had crushes on both men and women, but I've never pursued anything with a man the way that I have with a woman and how I felt and just felt so confirmed as this feels right for me. This feels correct. And even, even when I was in high school, so when I was, I want to say I was 16, there was a guy who was friends with one of my friends. I met him at her birthday party and he had long flowing, beautiful hair and he was on the thinner side and kind of, you know, definitely had those feminine uh, looks about him. He was a couple of years older than me. And, you know, we were, we would talk and he told me that I was beautiful. And of course, the first time that you hear that from anybody, you're immediately like, I'm interested in you now. What did you say? And I wasn't allowed to date. Like in general, my parents were very adamant about not wanting me to date, not wanting me to spend time with boys. And even the school that I was in really supported that. Like we'd go on field trips. People would sit on opposite sides of the bus, like boys on this side of the bus, girls on this side of the bus. So it was pretty strict. So because of that, it's just reaffirming that like separation. And it felt like no matter what I wanted to do or who I was attracted to, it was wrong either way, which in itself is confusing to feel. But with this particular guy who I was like, he's interested in me. I think I'm interested in him because someone's interested in me and paying attention. Um, so on my birthday one year after we had been hanging out a little bit, he gave me a birthday gift and he grabbed me and he kissed me. And he was like, this is your second birthday gift. And I remember as soon as it happened, this just like drop in my stomach. I didn't get butterflies. I got like a literal drop in nausea. And I was like, I feel like this isn't supposed to be what a first kiss feels like. And as soon as I left, I started sobbing. And it's like, okay, I don't think that was for me. And also, I mean, let's be fair. There was no request of consent there. And it's not something that we had talked about. And it's not like, do you want to be in a relationship? What, what does your family feel? What are your things? What are your thoughts on this? And like, how do you feel about relationships? It was just kind of, someone's paying attention to me. That's great. Someone now wants to kiss me. I think that's great. My body is telling me it's not great though. No, I mean, just literally in in the couple minutes that you've described kind of the situation along the way, 
you were wildly confused. Mm -hmm. Like you're not supposed to do this. You're feeling this way, but you're noticing someone else who is outwardly sharing that they feel that way, getting completely ostracized. And then you're not supposed to date anyways. And you also have coming up on kind of the next thing that I want to tackle and, and hear from you on is you have a family that will not only did your dad make comments just for, for whatever reason, to be honest, like Mm-hmm. whose parents did not I'm not sure uh, hopefully some okay. but um but also from a very religious background how how did that how did coming out to them work and did it change your dynamics did it take them a while were they immediately yeah it it definitely it took a while I think they were in kind of denial mode for quite a bit when I did come out to my parents so, like I said, when I got to college, that's when I met my now wife. Um, honestly, we we stalked each other before we actually met, which is the most ironic thing. Like, this is the, the days of MySpace, my friends, that long ago. So I remember before I went to college, I looked up to see who was on MySpace who went to that school. I saw her profile, and I remember noting in my head, I want to meet this person. They're very attractive. I like all of the interests that they're interested in. And honestly... I was like, from her profile picture, total badass, like leather jacket, super edgy haircut, had a septum piercing, like all these awesome things that I was like, this is the person I want to meet. And then I got to school and within the first two weeks, I think of, um, of being at schools when we actually met, but she saw me the first day that I was there and didn't know how to like really introduce herself. We ended up sitting at the same table and she, we were inside in the cafeteria and she put sunglasses on so she could watch me <laughs> and not have me see that she was watching me. Yep. Yep. I mean, real stylish. But uh, then she spent the next two weeks asking people about me and I did the same because I was like, who is this girl? And people did not know who she was because she commuted to school and they were like, I think she's a commuter, but I don't know much about her. And then because I was so new, no one knew who, like they knew I was the new girl, but they didn't know much about me yet. So we spent a full two weeks not actually meeting each other yet, but looking for each other. And then when we finally met up, um, it was immediate connection. And like, we we both felt the same way about each other from the start. And that's how we ended up being together for 14 years. Like literally from the day that we met, it was like, yep, this is the person for me. I can just feel it. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. Um, you're going to start making people jealous if we keep going on this train because everyone else is like, what? How does that happen yes. so quickly? I know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I love that story, though. So obviously it has lasted. And so with that immediate acknowledgement, it kind of came to a point where personally you probably did you feel like, OK, I don't necessarily want to deal with this, but it's something that you have to come out with to family. Yeah, it was. It was during that time when I first got to college that I realized for kind of the first time in my life, I got to make my own choices. And I was, you know, I think it could have gone a number of ways from being so sheltered growing up and not being exposed to a lot of these things. I definitely could have been like wild child partying all night. But luckily, it was a very, very small art school. And Honestly, I'm lucky that I met my wife as early as I did because she was very aware of just how young I was. I also went to college when I was 17 because I graduated school early because my school closed and I only had a couple credits to do over the summer to finish early. So I did that, but I was very young and very naive in a number of ways from being homeschooled, from being in such a small school where I didn't have a lot of exposure to the outside world. 
So my first thought when I went to college was I'm finally going to date somebody. Even at that point, as I was getting ready to go to college, I wasn't distinctly thinking I'm going to date men or I'm going to date women. I just remember having the thought I'm going to date somebody. And I was already open to the idea, like I acknowledged the idea that it didn't matter to me who I was dating at that point. I just wanted to find somebody who I had a connection with. So I didn't specify like, I know I want to find a woman. But again, from the physical reaction that I had to the, I have a crush on this person. And then when they turned around and were like, I have a crush on you too. It like the feelings all stopped. And I was like, I don't actually like you anymore. That still hadn't registered yet of like, maybe this is a common thing because there was somebody else in my school who I was like, I have a crush on this guy because everyone has a crush on them. And then when they turned around and said, you know what? I actually did find you attractive. It was like, literally like that, that I stopped feeling anything for them. So when we started dating, the first thing that I did was took a picture of her on my flip phone and was like, I'm going to put this as my contact. And I labeled it. I think I labeled it my girl, just you know, something cutesy that I'd have her in my phone as. And when I went home one weekend, I was showing my mom pictures of people from school that I took on my phone and that one popped up and I forgot that I had labeled it. And so she was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, this is my newest friend, Sam. And she's like, why does it say my girl? And I was like, because we're dating. And it was just silent. And she was like, and Sam is a girl. And I was like, yep. And that's who I'm dating right now. And I can't remember if she said anything else. I don't think she did. I think it was just kind of a, okay. And then I very like quickly started scrolling through the rest of my pictures to keep showing her friends and like change the subject. And she never addressed it with me after that point. But I remember my brother was going through some relationship issues himself. And uh, actually, it wasn't relationship issues. He was getting married. None of us liked his about to be wife at the time. They're divorced now. But I remember I didn't want to go to the wedding. And I remember talking to my dad about that. This was a couple months later. And my dad had never said anything about who I was dating. And by that point, I had brought Sam to my house to meet my parents a few times. And they were never like overly enthusiastic. We're so happy that you're dating. We're so happy. But they never said like, I can't believe you're doing this. What's wrong with you? It was just very neutral and kind of, we're just going to pretend like we don't know what this is. This is just a friend that you're bringing over type of reaction. But this was a couple months later. And I remember telling my dad that, I didn't want to go to my brother's wedding because I didn't like his wife to be and I didn't agree with them getting married. And he made a comment about, well, don't you think that your brother isn't a huge fan of your relationship either? And that shocked me because he'd never said anything about my relationship. My brother had never mentioned anything to me about my relationship. And I started questioning, how does my family really feel about my relationship? And I was too afraid to just ask and be like, what does that mean? And are you projecting or did my brother say something to you? And so I never came out and just like asked them, how do you feel about my relationship? But a couple of years later, um, there was an incident with my wife and her family when they found out that we were dating because they definitely didn't agree with homosexuality in general and were very uh, vocal about their disagreement. and. So we hid that we were dating for a really long time. What, and when they found out that we were dating, it didn't go well. Was there, um, why was that? Was it just, was it a cultural thing? Was it a religious thing? Was it just a, 
I think it was a combination. Okay. I think it was a, a an age, a discomfort on their part, probably. And I think there was some religion as well. But uh, yeah, they they were just very outspoken about their disagreement with it. Mm-hmm. And when they did find out, they asked me not to come over and visit anymore. And they told my wife that she needed to move out of the house within a certain amount of time and start basically getting her stuff together and moving, moving forward with her life. That's where she wanted her life to go. And that was really hard because, you know, I was told that I was their second daughter and spending a lot of time over there. And I say all of this, and now we have a wonderful relationship with them. And it took a couple of years, I think, for everyone to come to terms that we didn't change as people. We were the exact same people we'd always been. We just weren't dating guys. We were dating each other. But that night when that happened, we went back to my parents' house because my parents knew that we were dating. And she was like, I don't want to stay here tonight because I'm not comfortable and you can't stay. And like, I don't want that either. And the thing that made me realize that my parents loved me no matter what, and not that I've still come out and asked them, like, how do you actually feel about this? When we came back to my parents' house and my wife went and started setting her stuff up in my room for staying over, I remember my parents being like, is everything okay? Like, you guys look really upset. And I told them what had happened. And my dad went downstairs and my wife told me this after because I didn't know that it happened. But he went down there. He said, I'm going to get real emotional for a second, guys. Don't mind this. But he said, I just want you to know that no matter what, you always have a place for us and you are loved and you're safe here and you can stay as long as you need to, to do whatever you need to do. And that's how I know that my parents loved me no matter what, because even though they didn't come out and say like, we're proud of you or, you know, we're happy for your relationship at that point, that gesture is exactly what that was. That meant so much more to me that again, they're creating that safe space. And I think that's what everybody in the queer community needs is they need to know that there is a safe space for them and that they are accepted and loved for who they are and that they are welcome somewhere. And like I said, we've been together for 14 years now. We've been married for four. Both of our parents came to our wedding and were very happy for us. We actually just celebrated when our fourth anniversary was in January. There's also birthdays on my wife's family side. So we all went out to dinner last night actually to celebrate birthdays and our anniversary together. And her parents were the one who wanted to celebrate. They said, we know your anniversary was last month. We've got birthdays this month. Let's all go out to dinner and let's just celebrate together. So I know that they love us. And I know that it took time for them to get there. And obviously it took time for us to also feel through all of that. Um, But the most important part for all of that was that we had each other's back and we knew that our relationship was stronger than anyone else's opinions of it. That is your parents. I'm so happy to hear that story. It is exactly what you guys needed Mm -hmm. at that point. And I'm really happy that everybody is together. Like to hear that both sides have come together at this point. It's, it's just heartbreaking that for any amount of time, any amount of time, an individual has to not only feel rejected by the people that are closest to them, but scared to be rejected by society. And in that same sense, 
likely, I mean, listen, as we are young adults, like we are already questioning every single aspect of ourselves. I mean, into adulthood, we're still questioning that. Like to then be doubting yourself in your life, it's, that's just a lot. It's, it's a lot to carry. And so it's Mm -hmm. really good to hear that it all, it all worked itself out. You know, I'm sorry that it, it had to go that route. And I hope that Mm-hmm. By sharing that, some future parent out there can take a little tiny bit of that and find some grace. And hopefully, you know, society is changing enough to where these things won't be happening as prevalently. Um, yeah. I'm curious, though, because when we were talking, one of the things that you said is that obviously you guys have been married. You guys have been together for a long time. You've been married for four years. but just recently, you've really started to, um, what I want to say is come out, but just fully live into who you are in society, in everyday life. Because you said you were kind of keeping that under wraps, you know, in work and in other relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have any thoughts on why you were, was it a fear of rejection or like, why do you think you were holding back from being completely open? And then what was a trigger that pushed you to fully lean into that? So when I was in the last year of college, it's interesting because it was, again, such a small school, but it felt like a safe place. And I think because it was an art community, even more so, it was like, it didn't matter how out there you were, like you were accepted because it was the art community, which was great. I think it was a good starting point for me before really getting my feet into the real world. But it felt like here's a step into the real world. Here's a little bit outside my world. And now we're going to go a little further. I felt fully comfortable being myself when I was there. And then when I got into a work environment and even at the time I, um, I started modeling as kind of a hobby inside business. And in the modeling world, I was very aware of how people view you when you are front and center. And the type of attention that you bring to yourself when you're putting yourself out there that way. And I wasn't even like a prominent model of the area. It was just something I did for fun and to connect with other artists. But I created a blog for myself and was sharing the collaborations that I was working on, the different projects I was doing on my own, and a little bit about what went into making these projects. But I didn't openly talk about my relationship on it because I didn't want to bring attention to it and get the wrong sort of attention. I was so afraid of, again, letting people down in some way or someone telling me that I was wrong for existing and just having people troll my blog, essentially, when I wanted to do it to bring a source of creativity to others and inspire somebody. But I wasn't, um, I didn't feel confident enough in who I was as a person because I still wasn't sure who I was. And even trying to figure out the balance of my modeling life versus my professional life I had a hard time combining those two also. And I tried to keep those very separate because, you know, I would do like swimsuit shoots and I didn't want my coworkers or my boss to make a comment about that and be like, that's so unprofessional, even though it had nothing to do with my work life. So I felt like I had to keep things under wrap for a number of reasons. And again, not that I didn't tell people if they asked or if my relationship came up, I would happily tell people that I had a girlfriend and that we lived together and how long we've been together. But I didn't go out of my way to tell people or post about it on my social media or uh, in my modeling blog. 
And then in 2016, when the state started passing the gay marriage being accepted more widely throughout the United States, I realized this was important to me and it had to be important to other people too. And maybe this was the right time to start talking about it because I was a perfect example of being able to show creativity as well as bring that into my own life. And so I started reaching out to people and I was like, all right, I've done a wedding style photo shoot before for like a boutique that somebody had, but I've never done one for gay marriage. And that's something that I want someday. I want to be married someday. This is important to me. And before this, I couldn't get married, you know, unless I went somewhere very specific. And even then, if you moved, your marriage was null and void, which was absolutely insane to me. So when that happened, I was like, I need to celebrate this publicly because I want to make a difference for someone else. I want people to know that they can feel shy about it, but they don't have to if they don't want to. If they want to start communicating and connecting with other people, they have to allow themselves to be seen. And I need to be the first person to do that for myself if I want to connect with other people. So the very first time that I ever did something where I actually publicly made a statement, if you will, about being gay, I did a photo shoot with a friend of mine and we were two brides and we set it up like we were getting married. And I remember that being so impactful for me because I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen that in a fashion sense, in an artistic sense. At that point, it wasn't something that I saw a lot in mainstream social media. And I was like, I want to, I want to be that person that inspires somebody else to be like, I want to do that. I want to save this idea because I want this to be my own wedding. And I was thinking for myself, you know, someday I want to get married, but what I want my wedding to be like, let's basically take a stab at it by playing pretend with my friend right now. And it was the first time that I did. And I was so proud of myself for doing it. And it was after that point that I started being more open, but it wasn't until I started my styling business that I really decided it's time to voice my opinion. It's time to be a voice because if I want to be an inspiration to people, if I want to be a source of light and a source of community and a safe space, then people need to know I'm a safe space. And how will they know if I don't tell them? And so last year during Pride Month in June 2021, I came out on my social media. And it's a weird thing to say, because like we talked about, like I was out, I'd been dating my wife for a number of years. We'd been married for a number of years at that point. I had pictures of us on my social media, not a ton, but I was very strategic in what pictures I put up and when, like I'd put up our wedding pictures on our anniversary, but like my wife also doesn't like to have her picture taken a ton. She's not on social media herself. So it's not like it was prevalent for either of us in that way. But I wanted to share my story and I knew how impacted I was by feeling like I couldn't be myself all the time and trying to navigate that, not just growing up, but even again, when I was an adult and I was in a professional environment and trying to figure out like, it's a strange thing to say, but you know, I'd be writing orientations and I'd have the conscious thought when I was talking to someone, just trying to get to know them and do icebreakers. Like, do I bring up that I have a wife? Is that going to be weird? Are they going to think about me differently if I bring that up versus I feel like if I said I had a husband, I wouldn't think twice about it. But I had the conscious thought of, is this person going to look at me differently 
if I tell them that I'm married to a woman. And I was tired of having that thought stop me from doing things. And so I came out on my social media. I did like a 10 minute video just saying basically like, I'm gay. I want to be a source of inspiration for people around me. And I want people to know they're welcome here and cried throughout the entire thing because I'm definitely a crier. <laughs> um, but it was so cathartic after to realize like this was a part of myself that whether or not I realized it, I was hiding. I was still hiding as much as I said that I was putting myself in front of people. I wasn't sharing something that was so vital and literally part of my everyday life. And like my wife is my best friend. She is such a source of inspiration for me. And every time I have a question or I'm not sure what I should do or what my next steps are when it comes to my business or how I should approach something, she's the person that I go to and I ask her for feedback. And she gives me such great logical advice to my very emotional responses typically. And she balances me out. And like, that's why we work so well together. Why wouldn't I want to share that this person who has such a positive impact in my life is a great support for me and that it makes me happy to be in this relationship and that there's nothing wrong with me or her or our relationship. It's a wonderful thing because we inspire each other and we add value to each other's lives. So that was how I started making the shift to really put myself out there and accept myself more so that way I could be seen and create a safe space for other people to start being themselves. Yes. And it's so beautiful when you, because I think we had kind of talked about this before too, is like, you do have to get to that personal space where you have sifted through all of the junk, right? Because you have to love yourself and then you can put yourself out there. And it turns out when you love yourself, mm -hmm. the trolls can come as many times as they want you still love yourself. And there's like, I always find it interesting when people try to, oh, well, that's not right. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Well, how, how do you know? Because if this in my, if it is happy and it is healthy and it is love, then why does anyone else get to say what it's supposed to look like? Because that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. We're saying it's supposed to look like something essentially. Right. Um, but I think it's beautiful. I'm mm -hmm. so excited that um, you have come to this place because I it's kind of what I want personally for me. I want everybody to feel in that space, no matter who and what they are and what their situation is. But, you know, everyone really has to come is on their own timeline. Right. And so it's so good that you Absolutely. especially after all of the kind of turmoil and the questioning. Um, I know a big piece to this, too, that mm -hmm. we had previously talked about is that the, the community aspect. And I think that com community and knowing that you have support, I mean, not only having connections with people that can understand where you're coming from, that may also be in your community, but, but just people that just generally don't judge you, that accept you for who you are without judgment, mm -hmm. um, are so important. And so that being said, we are both living in a very small, predominantly white states um, that is not, mm -hmm. unfortunately, always very warm and welcoming to people that don't fall in within this antiquated white social norm that is yep. pictured. So I'm wondering if you would share your experience with that and trying to find a community, a broader community here. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the things that I found challenging was 
when I started realizing that I needed that community, especially after college, because again, in college, it was this great safe space where people didn't judge you and you could be yourself and express yourself in any way that you wanted to. And that was acceptable because art school, um, it was wonderful, but going into the world and realizing that we lived in this very small area where I couldn't see that I couldn't find it in my day-to-day life and even searching for a community. I have had a really hard time finding what I was looking for in my locality. And the thing is like Boston, sure. That's like the nearest central area that probably has a good queer community that you can find the type of people that you're looking for to connect with who have similar interests to you, whatever it is you're looking for in that community. But for where we are, there really isn't anything nearby. I remember there was one gay club in like the entire state and I went there for my 18th birthday and I went there for my 21st and like three weeks after my 21st birthday, they closed down. And I don't think there's any other ones in the state. And just being able to find a place where, again, you can be yourself, you're accepted to come as you are and find a community of like-minded people who maybe have a similar story to you and you can build those connections with them. Um, the only one that I was able to find, it's an hour away from me and that's pretty far. And, you know, if I really want to connect with people, sure, I can do that. And obviously being able to zoom with people and have that as an option is great as well. But there's something to be said about being able to meet somebody for the first time and really connect on that level. And, um, it shouldn't be as hard as it has been to find a community and a way to get together with people and a space where you know you can go and be welcome to talk and be yourselves and not worry about people around you giving you dirty looks or making a comment or possibly doing anything i mean and it's unfortunate but again like even just as a woman just going for a walk in your own neighborhood if it's sunset or after is not something that you do. Like you just make the conscious choice of, am I going to do this? And what precautions am I taking? It's kind of the same thing I have found personally for being gay. I am very aware of where I'm going, who I'm around, what types of conversations I'm having. And my wife and I, you know, we're not big on PDA anyways, but when we're walking around, we're not looking to bring more attention to ourselves in our relationship because I don't want someone to come up and, again, be aggressive towards me or make comments towards me just for being who I am and being with the person that I'm with. When that wouldn't happen, again, if I was with a man, someone wouldn't come up to me and make comments on my relationship. And yet, as a woman, and as a woman who's dating a woman, apparently I'm a target. And that's just totally fine. Come up and tell me what you think about my relationship. I'm lucky that it has not happened I think more than once, but even once is too much. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about that. So finding a community is important to me. And it's something that I'm currently still searching for. And I was having this conversation with someone today and they said, what do you make your own community? Because obviously if there's something specific you have in mind and you don't find it, why not create it yourself? And I think that's a big part of what I'm doing with my styling business even is I want to create a safe space where people can be themselves and continue to discover themselves on their journey because we're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing as people. And I want people to know that no matter what part of the journey they're at, 
with themselves and their self-discovery, they're welcome here. If you want to go shopping in the women's section and you identify as woman, that's wonderful. If you are starting to change what you identify as and you want to start shopping in other sections that you're not familiar with, I'm happy to talk to you about what you're looking for and how we can start finding things that are going to fit who you are and make you feel like your best self right now. And then if things change again in the future, good for you. I'm glad that you are still continuing the journey and pursuing who you want to be right now in this moment. Because I think that's all we can ask of ourselves is be the best version of yourself that you can. Put your best self out there. And if you want to make an impact in this world and a difference, find a way to do it that aligns with you being yourself and being authentic to who you are. Yes. And I think everybody should definitely needs to follow you on Instagram because it is seriously like, I don't know if fabulous is the right word. I don't even think it's the appropriate word to be honest <laughs> because it doesn't really encompass the whole thing. It's it's fun and it's so easy. Like the way you dress and the way you present things is like, I almost want to say it's like almost looks like perfection, but it doesn't look like perfection because it looks like it's easy. It looks like it's natural, right? The the thing about that that I just want to point out is the reason why it probably looks like perfection or it looks easy is because I'm dressing how I want to dress, how it feels best for me. And five years ago, I probably would have been dressing a little bit differently. I can actually look back at my Instagram feed from five years ago on my personal page, and I know I dress differently, but this is who I am right now. And because I am still on my own journey of how I'm identifying myself and how I want to show up in this world, I even noticed for myself, I am drawn towards more androgynous dress than I used to. And I used to be afraid to dress that way or feel like it would look weird on me because I have very feminine features. And, you know, is that going to be okay? Am I really going to connect with that? And because of where I am in my life right now, it makes sense for me. I feel empowered by it. And because of that, it looks right. I think there's a lot to be said about dressing to who you are right now and what makes you feel like your best self in this moment. And it's going to connect the right way when you're actually tuning into who you are and how you want to show up, not just how you think the world around you expects you to show up. Yes. And I love that you actually had uh, something. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I'm sure you'll remember, but it was something of like the reason why style and picking your outfits is so important is because the minute you walk in the room, it's not your personality that people see first. So if you're dressing, mm -hmm. if you are dressing the way you feel, if you're dressing more authentically, then you get to almost mm -hmm. present your personality without even speaking. Exactly. Yeah. I think that was so cool. I love it. Um, is there anything else you want to share about your business before we hit the final three questions? Yeah. So um, as we mentioned very briefly, my business name is Vostra Moda and it's Italian and it stands for your style. Because I think when people hear personal styling, they think, oh, that's for celebrities. And I like to remind people that the key part of that is the personal part. It's supposed to be for the person. That's why I'm doing it is I want you to feel like you're being seen, you're being heard, and you're able to show up how you want to show up. And I'm here to guide you. I'm not going to turn you into me. I'm not looking to make a bunch of mini me's. That'd be weird. Um, I want you to feel like you get to be authentic to who you are and best express yourself and have fun because that's what I was able to do with myself in my journey. And I started being able to express myself through my clothing and through fashion when I started with modeling and then being able to shift that into styling and helping other people make those connections is what really brought me joy. And I want to bring that into people's lives. So 
if you ever have any questions, if you are looking to really figure out what your style is or what style means to you, and maybe you just haven't been able to ask yourself the right questions yet, like sometimes you just need someone to ask you and prompt the right question from you to start deciding what you need to do right now in your own life and what some of your goals might be and how you can get there. And I think that personal styling can be a great tool for people who are ready to make the change and looking for some guidance along the way to really tune into and ask those questions of themselves. Love it. And we're going to put, I'll put your um, social links and your, um, and your website and all of that in the show notes. Um, but it's just vostramoda.com, right? Is that the website? Okay. Yep. Okay. Or you can do Vostramoda. Yep. Vostramoda.com slash connect is where you can um, check out like any of my social media events that I have coming up. And I also have a newsletter, which is called Inside the Closet. And yes, that's a double entendre <laughs> for both styling inside the closet and also for being a queer individual and accepting myself for who I am and not needing to stay inside the closet. Love it. All right. So the final three questions. Um, the first one is we always like to leave the listeners with something tangible, something that they can actually act on because I'm all about action. Um, what is one small thing that everyone listening can do today to be more supportive of the LGBTQIA community? Something that I noticed for myself that made a big difference on social media was when I would go to people's profiles and in their bio, if they had any sort of tagline or even some emojis with like a rainbow and a heart. And it just made me feel like this is a safe space to be. This is somebody who I can be myself with and I could connect with them and start a relationship. Maybe, you know, if they're a business, for example, I immediately want to know more about them because I feel like I'm going to be seen for who I am and I don't have to hide any part of myself. I get to be authentic to me because they accept me for who I am. And it's like a welcome mat, if you will, in my personal opinion. Every time I've seen that on someone's bio, especially businesses or small businesses, when they even just have the rainbow emoji or if they have a statement saying something along the lines of, we are advocates or we are allies, that can make a huge difference in someone's life. And you may not think that it will, but if you are someone who wants people around you to know that you love them for who they are and you are accepting of them, something like that can even start a discussion with other people in your life who maybe aren't at that point yet. And if you want to continue being an advocate and start the conversation, it might make a couple of waves with those people, but it can create the perfect sailing weather for the person who needs to see that and know that they can come into safe harbor. That was a weird analogy. (laughs) No, no, I think it makes sense. I think that, and I don't want to speak for you or anyone else, but I think that if more of that was outwardly expressed, then perhaps you wouldn't have felt so unsure of yourself for so long. Perhaps knowing that Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with you, because you you constantly heard. I mean, literally, let's talk about the fact that, well, we don't have time to talk about it, but let's think about the fact that you just mentioned, you know, when we're talking about legalizing marriage for same-sex couples. This was very, 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 very recent. Very recent. Yep. So basically, when you're telling somebody 
that they can't do what other people can do. You're telling them that they're wrong, essentially. So I, I think that's I think that's a wonderful example of what people can do is even if it's um so a state you're saying a statement, an emoji showing acceptance, mm-hmm. um anything mm-hmm. like that. I love it. Okay. So what are five words, and it doesn't have to be a sentence, just five words that you would use to describe yourself? Mm. Okay. Intentional. Authentic. Fashionable. Nerdy. And an extroverted introvert. Oh. <laughs> because I definitely love my at-home time, and um, socializing is actually something that I've only more recently been comfortable doing. Again, spent a lot of years being homeschooled and I don't like playing into stereotypes, but boy, did it take me a while to like get the hang of just communicating with people in a group of people and not talking over somebody else or uh, not being sure how to actually tell them what I was thinking. So I, I enjoy talking to people and I get really excited talking to people, but I definitely love being home and like, you know, cancer son, just home is where my safe space is. I love it. And those are fabulous words, actually. They're all really, really good, especially the authentic and intentional. I love intentional as I, I don't know if we talked about this. It is on my computer. Intentional is word, my word of the year. So it's so important. Um, and I was going to, I think I said the final three questions, but we already talked about the third because the third is where can people find you? So we already talked about mm-hmm. that. So I'll make sure to put that in the show notes and link that. Um, thank you so much for joining because you just really, I mean, you just shared a lot of your story and I don't, I can't emphasize enough how vulnerable you have to be to share that with untold numbers of people. <laughs> So thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and giving me a safe space to be myself and to get vulnerable and share that. So that way other people know that if they have a similar story, there there is a sun on the other side of that cloud, I promise you. Thank you, as always, for listening in today. My goal with Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think more deeply and definitely check some of those biases. Hope today's conversation with Bree did just that. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed on today's episode are our own. We do encourage you to come to your own fact-based conclusions based on your own research. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. If you're enjoying the show, would very much appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you listen on that allows reviews. Uh, anything helps. I promise. Uh, Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Share the show with everyone that you know so they can join in these important conversations. And as always, check your bias and keep the conversation going.